Okay, here we are. Podcast time. Justin Cosman, how are you doing? Good. Good to see you, Dale. You too, you. We're in uh, Cosbad, California. La Costa. We're in your hood. That's right. Me and uh, Dr. J live so, around the corner. So this is your spot, right? Yep. Yeah. We met at the La Costa Roasting, and then there's the Happy Hour Sushi Place, and then Beach Palm Breakfast. So anybody that has met me for a meeting has probably been at one of those places. Yeah. And how far are you from the beach here? Um... You can get there in about 11 minutes, door to door, if you hit, hit the right Oh, lights. that's really yeah. cool, yeah. yeah I, even though I'm, not, I'm only 30 minutes away, I don't come over here too much, but nice area, nice area. All right, so let's get into it. What uh, what have you been up to? We did a podcast like two years ago, yeah. so uh, and it's on my old website, so I think you cannot access it anymore, uh, so I'm, you might not have heard the first one, but uh, anyway, so let's, yeah, what you were up, been up to, and then we'll get into a bit of history, eh? Yeah, I th- I can't remember what we talked about last time. It was probably bicycle stuff, but I did get, I got a lot of good feedback from that one. I think more people listened to it than I, than I thought and more people reached out. Um, yeah. I think we just talked about BMX, bicycle industry stuff and, um, you know, what's going to be good for the sport. Yeah. Everything <laughs> we're going to talk about now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've been up to, uh, let's see, we just did, um, last month we just finished a video project for Vans, BMX Freestyle. We went to uh, the island of Grand Cayman. Oh, cool. We took a, we were welcoming one of the new riders to the Vans team, Dennis Anderson. Um, he'd been on Nike for uh, probably over 10 years, um, and then we were able to get him on the Vans team. So Gary Young and Kevin Peraza, two other um, of the top pro freestyle riders on the program, um, joined him out there, and uh, they, they wanted to ride one of the best skate parks in the world in, in Grand Cayman. Had a skate park called has a skate park called the Black Pearl, and it, at the time it was the largest skate park in the world. So a lot of people went there about you know, seven or eight years ago because it was just this massive park. And since then, some parks in China have have been built that are bigger. But yeah, yeah, it was an awesome trip. It was just really hot every day. Um, had had the park all to ourselves. Um, yeah, it was beautiful out there. And I think we did like a four or five minute video, kind of just like those guys riding some of the gnarliest uh, concrete in the world, really. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I saw it. It was super, super rad video. Um, so Nike's done now in freestyle, right? And Etna's is done as well, right? So is Vans um, the last man standing in right in freestyle? I don't, I don't think Etna's is officially done. I think they still have a couple guys. Um, but Pova's I, gone, right? Pova, Pova did leave. Um, I heard, and this is all hearsay, but I heard the guy that um, let Pova go is actually gone now too, and he came from out of. He was an out-of-the-industry guy, so um, I don't know. If, hopefully, John makes his way back there because he's he's as much at knees as anybody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there are there are I think a few guys that maybe have contracts on there. Um, so who knows? We'll see. But I think Vans is kind of like the only one in the conversation, the only one spending money um, mm-hmm. on things, doing big events, and um, yeah. And and um, what? How, so how many guys are on Vans and in freestyle? Oh man, I think I counted the other day. It was, I mean, maybe thirteen on the website, and then you got to think of the Flowbro Flow team. It's a big, it's a big Flowbro program. <laughs> Flowbro, um, yeah. <laughs> and that's all batters, or there's different people doing different segments of it. Yeah, that's uh, that's Jerry Batters and Colin McKay, and uh, Jerry is actually he took on a, a little bit bigger role doing more events, and Colin McKay is taking over has taken over the team manager position and then they're actually hiring for another guy in-house um to do a little bit more uh, of the strategy and work with more of the sports departments and yeah that's all that's all stuff that is kind of happening right now um that it might actually actually all be kind of um some new people might be hired already i don't know but um yeah they're just trying to like build a a more robust infrastructure over there so they can scale up and do bigger and better things and have a better team to work with and mm-hmm. um yeah what's and we'll get a bit more into the olympics later you know our freestyle's in it what's uh van's views on the olympics because obviously they got skating as well right so yeah skates in um i mean i can't i can't speak on behalf of vans in the olympics so i i don't know I, uh, they have guys that could. They de- yeah. They compete, have guys right. that could compete in the Olympics. Right. Yeah. And so I think for them, the shoes are part of their equipment, and yeah, there's definitely potential to you know have Van shoes on an Olympic podium. I, I would I would think, um, unless Nike comes on as a team sponsor and makes them 
wear Nikes. Um, we we saw that happen in racing, right? Or, or the, the, yeah, the, they're not in at the moment, but they've been in the. I think oh eight they were, and I think twelve. I seem to remember. Yeah, I think Nike was in twelve, and then there's something, something happened. I think after twelve, um, but they're not currently. But yeah, they did the first couple couple uh, yeah Olympics in race at least. You know. So those team guys got custom spd pedal or shoes mary's had again mary's was on nike europe uh i think he was on nike before it even won the first one but then i think he had a gold when when he came out here he had a gold pair not kind of michael johnson style but he had gold mm-hmm. gold vans um and i think day might have even i know day was on nike i'm not sure if he had you know all custom stuff but i think they kind of clipped those guys pretty quick after Oh After yeah, the Olympics, for you know? sure. You yeah, know, it's yeah, like definitely. an in and out thing, you know. Oh yeah, I think it's if you're on the team, you you just are contractually obligated to be uh, to wear all that equipment. Yeah, be, you know, it'd be no different if you signed on to a motocross team and they had an apparel sponsor, mm-hmm. and then you just had to wear all the Alpine yeah. stars. Or but I think some of these guys had personal deals as well. I think, okay, I think my deal. I think again, my day would have to t- you know would have to ask yeah. him that. But I seem to remember people saying he was getting paid pretty good, and I think Donnie had a Nike deal as well at one point. So yeah, well, it makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. they, I, th- I think they want to. They want to invest a little bit, and then maybe if one of the guys wins the Olympics, and they got they have an Olympic mm-hmm. gold medalist on their program, and they got him for cheap before, before yeah. the Olympics. That's kind of what you try to do, right? You try yeah. to buy low and sort of leverage high. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, don't, I, I think I think we'll start to see some really really interesting stuff like that happen in freestyle. Um, I mean, just the logo thing was so crazy. You know, you can't wear logos, you can't wear this. And Maris had such a unique story where he was on Rockstar. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the Latvian flag was a yellow star. Just happened to be, yeah, he, yeah. So he, had, yeah. he was able to have some kind of, like, rock star yeah. looking branding. It wasn't exact, but right. I felt like that was, like, a... No, they got it in there, and, and um, Fox, we had Fox that year as well, so it was going into 12, into the London Olympics, and... Uh, between Fox and Rockstar, it just all worked out, you know, for the, uh, yeah, it just happened to have, <laughs> who else has a flag with the yellow stars, you know, so it was, uh, and then he won, you know, so it was uh, definitely that little project was uh, worthwhile, I think, you know, so. Yeah, but he didn't get, to, he didn't get to slug a Rockstar on the podium. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I think they pulled, you know, uh, I seem to remember 08, because we had riders in 08 as well with free agents. And twelve, and I seem to remember the guys telling me there's a few of the guys had to take stickers and stuff off their bike. You know, you allocated, you know, I think a top tube sticker, and obviously people are sneaking in other stickers and stuff, literally at the event. And I think we had to pull a few off, um, but but nothing that's yeah, it's not like no fines or nothing, you know. So uh, it'd be interesting how it, it works out with freestyle and skateboarding, because obviously there are some guys are a bit more, uh, you know, race guys will do anything. You yeah, know, yeah, sure. Free, you know, freestyle guys are probably going to be. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all goes down. What's the vibe on, uh, I don't know how much you pay attention to the, you know, freestyle going into the Olympics. I've been listening to some of the podcasts and, you know, it's I guess it's skateboarding as well. I've been listening to some of their stuff, you know. Some people are all for it and some people are dead against it, you know. So I think freestyle is the same kind of thing, right? Uh, yeah, I think people are split. There's definitely two camps. There's the people that, you know, want to be a part of it, want themselves to be a part of the olympics and then there's people that believe that maybe the olympics um have nothing to do with the sports that we do mm-hmm. you know they they were they were actually the exact opposite of the sports we do and um they don't represent kind of the core values of the sports that we do and um i i think i think everybody's right you know it's really just your opinion on on how you view yourself how you view how you view view what you do some people look at um, you know, BMX as as uh, artwork. Some people look at it as a performance art. Some people look at it as a sport. Um, and I think everybody's right. So um, it's 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 the problem happens is when you want to be on both sides. You know, like when you want to say like, oh yeah, I want to be a part of the Olympics, but I don't want to take my stickers off. You know, or I want to be a part of the Olympics, but I don't want my tricks judged. Like I don't want to have to do a backflip, a tail whip, and a bar spin in my run. You know, I don't want to be told what to do. Like. Life doesn't really work that way. You either sign on for the whole thing, mm-hmm. you usually cannot cherry pick on the things you like and don't like. And I think, especially for freestyle riders, um, that's such a big part of the sport where you can really decide, it's like, okay, I'm a dirt rider and I don't do, you know, I don't do these tricks because that's not, um, that's not me. That's not the kind of um, performance that I do. Um, 
yeah, you get into you get into a position where you're like, well, then what are you doing? You want to be a part of something that um, is like diametrically opposed to you know your core values in a sport. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, because you want a paycheck. I get it. You know, so you know, there's the compromise. Yeah. And you've uh, the bits I've been watching the the the, the freestyle stuff. It's you got a so, seems like such a young generation of kids now that are obviously involved in it and going for it. So probably a bit easier to uh, you know put these kids in line. Not in words in line, but you know obviously their their motivation is to be in the Olympics, isn't it? When these young kids coming up more than somebody that's maybe been around a long time and um, might think a bit more of the, 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 the sport, or the image or whatever part of it, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, it appears to be a better opportunity than what is currently happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really why anybody would, would want to be a part of it because it seems better than what they have going on at the time, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, action sports, if you want to call it that, or, you know, BMX or skateboarding has, you know, never been a place where you could, uh, you know, really make a... A professional sports salary if you're comparing it to NBA or NFL players so you know very few guys ever have the opportunity to even um, have those type of endorsements so I think the Olympics is like that one shot for somebody who's really good at freestyle and wants to throw their hat in the ring and you know if it's the perfect storm then you could you know you could win all this extra stuff and become the Sean White of BMX mm-hmm. um is it, some, is it something you want to get involved in or maybe go and document? And, um... I, uh, I've never had an interest in going to the Olympics, and I think that's just because I've, I've worked at some big events um, throughout my professional career, and they're really, really tough. Um, it's actually like I, I love shooting, and I love uh, you know producing short films and commercials, and doing that at events is like actually one of the hardest places to do it, um, one of the hardest venues because you just have so many restrictions. Um, and you're, you're at someone else's show, you know? So I, I mean, for what I do for work, I don't have any interest in going. Um, and I, and it's just like when I watch, um, live events on TV, like I'm actually glad I'm watching it in my living room. than I am on the 50 yard line, freezing my ass off. Like I like the commentators, you know, I like the people in the booth. I like the podcast. I like kind of watching Twitter at the same time. I like watching live tweets and updates of people and people making memes of things. I mean, that's just... I like that, and you don't really get that at a live event, you know? I mean, I, I do have some friends that will definitely be in the Olympics. I, I believe that a couple of those those guys and girls will make it. Um, so it would be cool to be there for them, but as far as working-wise, I don't really... I That's not the place that I do my best work, so... Yeah, yeah I understand. Um, so I guess, when, yeah, when you watch a TV show, like, say, you watch a game or a basketball, are you always looking at it from a different perspective than are you? Like, as if you were doing something there, or if you could... Yeah. If you watch basketball, would you say, well, I could do this if I was there, or that, or... Well, yeah, when I'm watching basketball, I'm I'm watching the guys on the sidelines and what cameras they're shooting with, I'm looking at the basketball, what, what remote cameras are clamped to the back of the basketball hoop, I'm watching... Watching the house strobes go off. I mean, I used to shoot that kind of stuff back in Chicago, so I right. <laughs> like I can't even really watch a movie or a TV show without noticing. Oh, really? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, the white yeah. balance is off in those two consecutive shots. Or, right. You know, they oh that they maybe should have clipped that or to cut that a little short or um, you know the the additional dialogue resource they recorded really was not spot on or you know I just it it's just like one of those things. The same thing when you go to a race and you realize like you know someone's having a bad race you know what i mean and mm-hmm. that's all you can see is someone who can't get through a, a rhythm section right you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. even though on it. even though they won the lap they're like yeah, he, cased, right. he cased everything almost got past yes. you know you see every part you of it you sort of know too much about it and um it's fun I, I like i like that part of it but uh it, you kind of enjoy it in a different way i guess yeah and no, i understand and vans they do their own um pop was kind of a world series you think like three or four different spots right yeah it's uh the vans bmx pro cup tour vans bmx pro world cup tour or something something to that effect so they they're actually in singapore right now and it's doing like a qualifier event um for the whole the whole global series they go to australia immediately after the singapore stop where they'll have like all the pros there that qualified from last year so um they're um, individual events, but there's like a, a global series where you accumulate points and then you can win a year end title. And, um, yeah, and it's, it's pretty badass. It's all in big concrete bowls and, uh, it's certainly a different style of riding and they judge it in a different way. They, they judge, um, they judge 
you know, style and, you know, amplitude and creativity a little bit more than just, just straight up trickery, you know? I definitely see uh, when I watch the HB one, it seems very, very, I always think Chris Foxy and it very flowy and big airs. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Now, so when them guys go on that tour, does Vans cover everybody's travel or it's up to each individual guy to make it there and, and do that? How does that work? Is it... <laughs> I probably know more than I should, but <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think I think a lot of a lot of people uh, do get get their um, trips covered there. You know, right. some people some people definitely pay full boat to go, but mm-hmm. Vans does bring a lot of guys on those on those trips because those are expensive. Um, imagine, even yeah, just to, yeah. even just to get get around the world and stay in a stay in a city a European city for a week. Um, so yeah, those guys do a really good job taking care of the the, the athletes that are on the tour and. Um, it's got to be tough for this, a lot of the sponsors to. I guess if you've got an energy drink, maybe they help them, do they? Or uh... yeah, oh yeah, I think some of those energy drink energy drink deals you have a little bit of travel built in. Some of the some of the bigger bike programs, like I think Pacific, like uh, Mongoose and GT, those guys have a little bit of travel mm-hmm. that's like separately allocated. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, those guys can get around to different events and stuff that they want to go to, um, and it's kind of up to them. Um, but yeah, it's it's real expensive. You imagine, you know booking flights and hotels for 40 people oh I my mean, god yeah that's yeah and that doesn't even count putting on the event that's just getting people there and that's yeah. also before you feed them wow. you know like that's yeah it's it's a it's a big production um but they get a lot out of it you know we get to they get to go to these these cities and and show people what you know north american bmx freestyle is all about and that's pretty that's pretty badass yeah no i say i watched all the stuff from huntington beach when uh, it was there last year and it seemed a very cool vibe you know and uh you're saying especially on huntington beach so many outside eyeballs are watching that aren't they you know so yeah that's uh, pretty cool all right let's go back a little bit on your history what's your history how did you get into bmx and find it and make your way out to california all right that's a that's a long one um I grew up in a real small town in in Illinois. Uh, my one of my first babysitters was a skateboarder, and so he would drag us to a skate park while he skateboarded. Um, he was supposed to be babysitting us, and that's kind of how I got into skateboarding. But that skate park was one of the first rampage skate parks, so I saw Kurt Schmidt and Rick Malterno riding freestyle bikes while I was like trying to you know skate on on some Walmart skateboard, and you know they had some of the first standard BMX bikes. Uh, some of the ones that they made for the first time, and this is like early '90s. I'm thinking um, so, props now. A lot of them, uh, even the Kurt Schmidt, he was on props a lot oh, yeah. back then. Yeah. And so I didn't really know what that was all about. And you know, looking back, they had just kind of left Haro Bikes, so that was like a transitional period for them. And that's uh, you know, and then my best friend in school um, took guitar lessons from a BMX racer that was way older than him. Um, he gave him a BMX plus, he brought it to school. We freaked out on like the red lines with the comp three tires. <laughs> and it was just like, you know, we wanted to be motorcycle riders, uh, you know, but all we could afford were BMX bikes. And then that's what we got for our birthdays. And Paul DePau opened the East Moline track and that's where we ended up racing. And um, still, he still does it, right? He still does that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, he's actually, he's a buff dude, right? Uh, is it, no, Paul, I'm thinking of somebody else. Paul has the long hair, long black hair. And the okay, mustache. but it's kind of like a womanizer guy, right? Is no. that him? No, there's another guy that the I, I listened to on the Rail the Berm guy, who's same same kind of guy. <laughs> I listened to him as well, but so obviously wrong guy. Yeah, uh, Paul. Yeah. Paul's a uh, a yeah a world class electric guitar player, oh, and cool. uh, he runs a bike shop, and he is a undercover. Uh, landlord, he has about forty doors, I think. He's, oh wow! Yeah, he's actually so the BMX is fun, for extremely him, successful, and he's able to enjoy BMX in a, oh, a better way him. now. Actually, just talked to him last week. He, I think he might race the worlds in Belgium. Oh wow! Because his dad's from Belgium, right? Yeah, and I think they there was the worlds there when he was like twelve or thirteen. Right, Zolde, yeah, it's just there again this year, yeah. So he's yeah he's actually thinking about um, racing again. He races cruiser, but anyway, yeah. I'd, so I grew up um, skateboarding and riding BMX, uh, riding the skate park, riding the. BMX track. I picked up a camera when I was in um, junior high and was just shooting photos of me and my friends riding bikes and skateboarding. And then um, went to school for creative writing. And uh, when I was in school in Chicago, I met my school's sports photographer. And he was like, he was a pretty high level sports professional photographer. He worked for um, a bunch of professional teams, um, ESPN, the magazine, Sports Illustrated, a bunch of the Division One schools, and um, I actually assisted him for four years. Learned all about digital photography and remote, remote stroke photography, and 
that kind of changed my trajectory from wanting to be a magazine writer to wanting to be an actual professional photographer because he showed me really how it could be done. Um, I didn't really want to shoot basketball and football and track and field. I wanted to shoot BMX. Um, after college, I got an internship. Well, after college, I thought my best uh, my best uh, idea was to move to Bend, Oregon and ride mountain bikes, work at a bike shop. That was my master plan after accumulating like $60,000 in school debt. Um, and I got a call back uh, about an internship I had forgotten I applied to at Bike Magazine down in um, San Juan Capistrano. So, what year was that? Uh, that was 2003. So okay. I, was, I was living in Illinois still. Um, deciding what I wanted to do. I was out in Bend, Oregon, looking for a place to live, and I got a, a call about that internship. So I flew home and then drove cross-country um, for an unpaid internship um, with about $1,000 that I had saved. I thought that was a lot. Um, you moved to Miranda straight away, right? No, I moved. I uh, crashed with a friend in Laguna Beach and then lived in a living room in San Clemente for a few months, and then I met Robbie at Sheep Hills. Right. And so Robbie was my first... Um, legitimate kind of like real place to see. He stay. got a lot of guys from Sheep Hills, I remember. Oh, a lot, yeah, yeah, lot, yeah. Lot of, or a lot of Aspen off Euro dudes that like we'd, okay, we're full, but Miranda's, Miranda's Roger, Roger Rinderneck. <laughs> right, yeah, Roger yeah. stayed there. A lot Dwayne of, Taylor lived there. Did you meet the Palmer guy, uh, Peter Poland, that had those Sean Palmer tattoos? Oh, yeah. Peter Poland. Yeah. He I was, don't know. Yeah, he used to get it. Yeah, he was around that time anyway. He, like, same guy, nice guy and stuff, and like we pawned him off to Miranda and they became good friends and. Anyway, yeah, Miranda door was always open as well, as yeah. was the wild man's, you know, but obviously oh, yeah. wild man charged way too much rent. Yeah, and you'd have to, like, do the dishes, too, <laughs> yeah. and, like, do, do the yard work. <laughs> Fair enough if you could get away from it. But, yeah, so I was living with Robbie, um, uh, and I had actually gotten a job at ESPN TV production working for X Games. Um, when I was at that magazine, I, I became friends with some of the guys that ran the ski magazine, and, and they were... They were also working on the side for ESPN TV production for Winter X Games, and uh, they basically came to me and said, "Oh, our boss was said, do you know any bike guys? We need a writer for the TV sh- for the TV show." And uh, they, you know, they gave me the contact info, and one thing led to another, and I ended up working for them for almost eight seasons, oh, um, wow. on and off. But the cool thing was, it was freelance, so I would only work three or four months leading up to the X Games, and. Uh, it was all kind of like remote work, so I was like doing interviews, preparing stories, uh, some travel to events, but I was basically able to go to Sheep Hills, shoot photos, go to Hidden Valley, shoot photos, and do that during the day, and then do my other ESPN work at night, because it didn't matter what time of day I did it. Um, and so I was, able, I was able to kind of like freelance for Ride Magazine, for, freelance for Trans World, um, shoot for you know Vans and DC, and do some moto stuff, and it actually was kind of a pretty cool way to stay out here, because I had the I had this uh, ESPN gig in the background that was kind of like, you know, paying like a couple grand a month. That was enough to kind of keep me afloat. And in the meantime, I was like, you know, able to go shoot a lot and kind of like build my reputation as a as a commercial photographer with uh, uh, within the BMX industry, small yeah. industry, but it was, you know, they both seemed to work out. In the I mean, you did stuff with free was it free agent way back then. Didn't you? Oh yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, good stuff. And then when did the BMX magazine come around then? Yeah, about the about the same uh, twenty, I think it was maybe two thousand six. Okay, yeah, two thousand six or two thousand seven. I've still got some issues. Yeah, yeah. maybe I'll put some with this. Yeah, they were yeah. they were fun to they were fun to put together. That lasted about a year. It um, was a bigger magazine as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Larger format, mm. took up more space on the uh, on the newsstand. Um, we did a. I mean, you did a. I don't know if you remember. We did a, a plyos uh, oh, a okay. photo shoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> plyos in Marietta. <laughs> was that after we did the book photo shoot? It was around that time. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Don't, we don't talk yeah. about the book. It's yeah. undercover. <laughs> <laughs> Only at camps. <laughs> yeah, so it was just being out in California, freelancing for a bunch of different people, and then some of those little freelance gigs turned into longer freelance gigs. Um, you know, I did a little work for Red Bull randomly, um, and then they asked me to go and shoot Formula One cars in South America for for two weeks. And then was it actually at one of the races? Uh, no, it was actually at a, a demonstration. So we we were with a crew that took a Formula One car to all these different national monuments, and we had private photo shoots. And at the end of the week, um, they did this. Um, they would basically drive the Formula One car up and down the streets doing donuts in front of like 40,000 people. Oh, wow. Were insane. they like drivers? They're top guys? Yeah. yeah they br- well, they brought out some of their um, Test kind of like the pro team. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is still legit though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, still to this day, hearing a Formula One car start up with a computer 
five feet away is one of the most insane things I've ever imagine. heard. It sounds, I can't even describe it, it sounds like a, a nuclear reactor in a uh, 250 dirt bike. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, it was, yeah, you know, it was a couple million dollar car that we were taking around on a flatbed trailer. It's so light, you can lift it up with four people. Cause it's really? Carbon fiber. And we had armed guards that had, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, they had like visible, like multiple guns on them. And they were riding around on motorcycles as we would drive from spot to spot. And this one guy had a backpack full of money and was, like, paying off the guards, the, like, military guards that were at the monuments. And we had permits for all these places to shoot, but we still had to, like, our Red Bull guys still had to, like, pay them off. Oh, wow. That was incredible. Pablo Escobar stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was insane. So that was, that was like, one of those random photo shoots that um, it paid a lot of money at the time and it sort of gave me give me about a year to sort of coast and be like, okay, I'm going to focus on, um, freelance photography. And, uh, yeah. And then I, you know, kind of spent like 12 years doing photography for Red Bull, um, and about 12 for Vans, um, yeah, and video production well. and, and Rockstar. Yeah. 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 With us, um, we did some stuff. Yeah. I was on the Rockstar program for a while. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, man. a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah no, that's super cool. Yeah, I was saying that in the magazine you wrote the magazine you wrote articles and everything yep. as well. Yeah, you did yeah. a lot. You must have been a lot of work for you doing the whole. Kevin McAvoy, yeah, Kevin McAvoy was the managing editor. He did a lot of work. But you were uh, shooting pictures, yeah, and shooting writing. And writing. But you yeah. know, you're you're 24 years old and you're just like yeah, plenty of time to do it all. You're just it. doing it. You're just running it hard as hard as you can. Yeah, especially when it's yours, you sort of want yeah. to work a lot harder for it. And... You know, I think that's one of the, you know when everyone talks about you see all the flowbacks and stuff. A lot of people miss that. Because that magazine, you know, like, I mean, it's always people either go right back to the 70s and 80s stuff. Yeah. And then I think a lot of people miss the early 2000s stuff for some reason, which I guess, like, they'll miss this year. Or maybe, maybe when Instagram disappears. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, where did all the history go? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. So. That's funny. It is so funny to think about, you know, you compare a magazine to social media where it's like, okay, a magazine, whatever happened a couple months before, ends up in that magazine. And the magazine's permanent. And you know, maybe you lose it, maybe it gets thrown away, but for whatever reason, you know, if it sticks around, it's permanent. Well, Instagram, mm. you know, you have sort of this, they call it a curated experience, um, <laughs> where you only see what you want to see. And then, and then you sort of look back and like, Oh, someone rewrote that, rewrote that caption or right. they deleted someone from that, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, Oh, you were with that girl. Now you're, that girl's not there. Like right. oh, you just deleted your whole like couple it's, months here. Yeah. Yes. You see a lot of people delete the whole pictures, don't they? Like yeah. you say, like, hey, you got 50,000 followers and three pictures. Yeah. Right. Obviously right. you've changed a lot. Lots been going on, you know? Yeah. Oh, we live in such a weird time where it's like, you can rewrite, you can literally, literally rewrite your own history <laughs> on your phone if you're in a bad mood and yes. you just do it, you know, it's like, I'm deleting yes. everything. And I'm, yeah. <laughs> What's your thoughts on social media then? Like, say you're a media guy and it seems like magazines are slowly, in, you know, just not just in BMX or bicycles. It seems like they're just kind of fading out, aren't they? And Yeah, they are. And I, I mean, social media has such a huge reach. I, I would argue that the impact is different. Um, and I believe that, you know, people have leaned more towards producing more quantity, quantity than they do quality. Um, and that's just me talking from a, a producer's point of view uh i think everybody has a, a couple you know a couple skills and they look for you know that's their hammer and they look for nails so you know mm -hmm. i look at everything like oh that could have been done better i could have done that but differently or mm -hmm. social media is just like um too much too much irrelevant um posting or in publishing and why don't you just post something good i mean those are the, the initial things that i see um, when I look through social media and that's only because I want to do, um, better produced pieces and, so and you better think storytelling. More, you think more quality than over, you listen to Gary Vee is like throw three, I started, stop posting a lot because like, yeah. well, there's nothing else I can talk about within my yeah. little BMX. I don't want to talk too, you know, just on, on, in, on personal stuff. I want to keep it BMX, what yeah. I do and stuff, but like, man, you can't keep posting. Here's a clinic picture. Here's a school visit. Yeah. You know, it's like, so I really slow down on my posting but and then but you listen to like the Gary Vee guy and like you need to be posting three three times a day I'm like what can you even talk about well yeah times, he's you know? I mean he's Gary Vee says don't create document and so you know his idea is like it's too hard to create or it takes too much time mm -hmm. if you can document 10 times the amount of content about your day or what you're doing you're going to get more more of a return than if you actually try it to create and craft something. And I agree with him. You are going to get more out of that. 
However, that's like saying, well, why don't you eat 15 hot dogs for dinner instead mm-hmm. of having a steak? Yeah, yeah, I understand. And you're like, if you have the choice to do either one, you know, you can make the choice, but a lot of people um, can only afford hot dogs or they only have the resources, to, you know, to do the hot dog thing. I mean, that's a weird analogy, but I truly, I truly believe that, like, you know, for a while it felt like, you know, brands were, like, putting out really good content and telling very intentional and specific stories about their riders and now it's just like oh put it on instagram you know it's like oh serve them up serve them up that shit that fell off the table you know (laughs) and and you act people act like uh, they don't know they know they're getting shitty content because Mm -hmm. that's the kind of stuff we all scroll right past yeah yeah you know but I, i i don't know a solution to it i mean i think that you just do better than what you've been doing and but that's just advice for kind of anybody you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's just so easy because we have cameras and video cameras in our pocket mm-hmm. and it's it's uh it's just like oh i'll just post this it's like okay that, that's great you know but what does that add up to at the end of the year it's a bunch of photos of your food and uh you know your number plate at the <laughs> right. end of the year you know yeah. um i it's, it's, it's so saturated now, and just like the the algorithms, it seems like it's they've, they've tightened that up now, so people don't really even see your stuff as you much anymore. You don't see your friend's stuff. That is mm. so insane. You don't even see the stuff that you want to see. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the kind of that's the platform that we've all decided is the best platform to be on. The one that we don't want to, we can't see what the people who are following are posting. Like, and on Facebook, yeah, it's the same um, same 10 people's stuff that will be on your feed for, the, for throughout that day. And my wife sometimes like, hey, I posted something. I'm like, I didn't even know. Yeah. You know, unless somebody in your group four flicks days, on it. Four or days later. It, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, what's four days ago? Or when people yeah. bring their posts back, they do that, you know. You see a lot of people, that will, they'll, they'll like their own posts like oh, a right, week yeah, later yeah. to bring get it back in the game. <laughs> yeah, give it a little action. Little yeah, SEO yeah, it's action. like I need a bit more out of this. I see a lot of people doing that. <laughs> So now, do you think? I mean, how how much Instagram do you think we can take? I mean, again, it's it gets more same crap all the time. Um, in in the years time, in two years time, how can they? I mean, what, what's your thoughts on the future? If, if, I guess more in BMX. I mean, I think I think Instagram and Facebook, they're just smaller versions of the internet in general. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the internet is kind of like a digital wasteland of everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything is there. You really have to look to find the stuff that you want and to find some of the the good things that you want out of it. And I think these platforms, when they arise, they have good intentions and there's great peer-to-peer interaction. And then it kind of becomes like, oh, now it's just a bunch of advertising and now it's a bunch of mm-hmm. people spit-shining their own shitty experiences and they're not, you know, trying to sell you some detox tea. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. So it doesn't last long. Right. I mean, Facebook lasted quite a while. It's still it's still out there. I think it kind of hits a different demographic. But um, I just wonder what the next one after Instagram is going to be and how long that's going to last, because it's Mm -hmm. not going to last long. I don't believe it. Whatever is next is going to is going to last very long. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we pour our lives into this. Right. Like like if Instagram truly disappears or it just becomes going to destroy some people into it, like mentally, just because how much they put into it, you know, just the. The chase of it all you know so yeah i've definitely took a bit of a a back i mean still use it still enjoy it but definitely don't put everything literally into it as as you see some people doing it because yeah who knows when they're gonna flick this the off switch you know and then what's next you know so yeah well i mean if you have a consumer direct business i mean i guess it does behoove you to have a large pool of of customers that you can talk to but in in my own personal business i i work so much with a very small group of individual people. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not trying to market to hundreds of thousands of people because I don't want to create something to sell to hundred thousand. Like I'm not selling prints of my cool photo shoot in Iceland. You know, that's not the kind of stuff that I do. I produce compelling brand stories, um, and product launches for, um, you know, for small groups of marketing teams, you know, that's what I do. And, uh, and so I, you know, I document a little bit of what I do here and there. Um, so when I see this stuff kind of happening in the reverse, where it's just like people like play by play of everything they did that day. And then I'm like, well, you want to follow some of these people. Yeah. Right? Just like, yeah, that's oh, what I can't take some unf- people anymore. Yeah. Mute their story. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and you're just like, wow, is this really, 
was this really a great way to spend my last 30 seconds? You know? Yeah. <laughs> no. No. I mean, it's not a real, it's not a real true um, connection with somebody. You know, it's a, it's an interesting way to follow people and see kind of what they're up to. And then if it's mm-hmm. something interesting, you, oh, that was cool. You did that. Or how'd you do that? Or, oh, we should link up. That kind of thing. I think it's cool for that. But um, I think people mistake them for real, true human relationships and connections. Yeah, no, I understand. Do you think, I mean, if you go back to, like, say, the 2000s when uh, we all started, you know, get a more, bit more active in BMX on computers with websites and stuff. I mean, I remember in the morning you get up, you'd, you'd scroll through your, you know, your 10 sites, whatever, and then you get on with your day, and then maybe before bed you'd, you'd have another quick look and check out yeah. some message boards, talk a bit of shit, and then that'd be it. Yeah. You know, do you think you'd ever go back to them days, watch, you know, with the, you know, you're obviously doing, making videos and stuff where, you know, you just watch a few highlighted videos per day or so many a week or do you think it will ever get back to that you think or just too saturated it's now? hard to tell if uh, we both work in in some capacity marketing mm-hmm. and i think it's all i think we're always going to be exposed to that and uh i i guess i can't really imagine my life without it because i can't really imagine my life not being a photographer or a, a commercial producer mm-hmm because that's just it's just all marketing and so kind of being in tune with everything that's out there and keeping up with trends um it, it is good for that for what I do uh it would be awesome if I could just if I would just never look at Instagram and go ride my bike every day and then go to work but that's just not really the world we live in you know I get mm-hmm. direct messages from clients on Instagram yeah, yeah they'll send me posts and be like oh can we do something like this or can you believe they did this like I get mess. I mean, I get messages from you on Facebook Messenger. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. Everyone's got their own. Yeah, everyone's got yeah. their own platform yeah. that they're on. And, and you need to be on all of them because different people are messing. You know, mom and dad's still calling from home, and then you got Facebook people messaging, and then you got, yeah. you know, younger kids are DMing you on Instagram, and then people text you. It's like, it's constantly, you got to be connected to all of it just in case you, you know, to, uh, to stay in touch, you know? So it's definitely weird times, isn't it? Yeah. Um, all right, you still like riding? You do, you like mountain biking, don't you? You and your lady, yeah. you're saying? Yeah, we started uh, started going mountain biking again. So I, I had a mountain bike when I was in college. So I raced, I raced, uh, I had a mountain bike in high school too. I raced like duathlons, or it was like a bike, it was like a bike run bike or run bike run, and then I'd race triathlons because I was actually went to school for swimming at a small swimming scholarship. Um, so I was into like a lot of the endurance multi sport stuff, and that's as I was racing BMX too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I raced a little bit of mountain, like cross country mountain bike in college, um, just cause we had some trails really close by and I just liked riding bikes. I didn't care if it was road or if it was mountain or it was BMX. It was actually easy to ride my mountain bike, um, near the college I was at, um, cause the closest BMX track was like Elgin. Um, and it, guess what? It was only open two days a week. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're about to talk about pump tracks. Yeah. And the main reason that I like rode mountain bikes is cause it was the bike that I could get on and ride ride the easiest from where I, when I had an hour, mm-hmm. I couldn't go ride my BMX bike. You know, if I had an hour, I could leave my dorm, go do some hot laps at, at this single track down the street. And I'm just, yeah, some mountain bike trails and then get back and go back to class. And, um, you know, kind of segueing into, into pump tracks. I can't wait for that one in Del Mar to open mm-hmm. because it's just going to be a place that you can go and ride your bike anytime you want. And that's all I kind of wish for everybody. Like, mm-hmm. Like, I don't, it's great that people want other people to be involved in BMX and mountain biking, but if it comes with, like, a caveat, it's like, oh, you should get into racing, or you should get into freestyle and go to this contest, or you should do this. It's just like, maybe you should just, like, ride your bike a lot. I think that's, if you can ride your bike a lot, I think you're winning, you know? Mm -hmm. And the pump track is, I think, a great a great mix of a lot of things. It's It's got the BMX track kind of look and feel to it except it's going to be open all the time. You're not going to have to uh, worry about rain. You know, it's not going to be muddy. Um, you're not going to have to worry about paying for practice um, or, you know, having a gate starter or any of that any of that stuff. I mean, those things are all great for a competition, BMX racing, but, um, yeah, I cannot, I cannot wait to have a pump track close by. I'm absolutely the same. And, and I, I was all about competition and racing and stuff, and I'm older now and a different perspective, so I understand the kids that still want to race and travel and, and, and do that side. But for me now and my daughter getting into it, it's perfect timing, the way things sit, you know, in current race. And it's interesting because, you know, Mike Carruth, BMX News, he talks a lot. 
is kind of, I don't know words, against it, but it doesn't think the pump track's as great as everybody says. You know, he said we should focus a bit more on getting everybody racing and at the track. And, you know, I've done that myself with him. You know, you've been to a lot of camps and schools and stuff. We're like, hey, this is the local tracks and this is racing. And that'll always be a part of me. But I think maybe we need to, and this is my disagreement a little bit with Mike, and he'll listen to this. So um, it's good we talk about it. Maybe we don't, we don't need to... Um, try and force it down everybody's throat at least in racing about racing let's just get kids um on, on bmx bikes or on bikes just riding bikes and you know they'll maybe find the way once they've uh, discovered it you know yeah I, I think the unique thing about bmx is that it's or riding bicycles that it's an individual sport and you don't need a team to do it but if you put that in the context of a bmx track now it's like, oh, it's this individual sport I can do anytime, except I can only do it two days a week for two hours in the afternoon when the track's open, and mm-hmm. then they don't race on weekends. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I don't see, I don't see the conflict in creating a place that someone can go and ride their bike more and develop more skills if they want to. Um, and I think that's the evolution. Uh, that's the evolution of our sport. I mean, it's like. It'd be like saying, oh, don't play at that basketball court. Play at this basketball court where you have to pay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, wait a second. We're just trying to play basketball, man. Like, yeah, yeah. I, no rules. I, do your thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what it's going to be like in 15 years. So let's imagine we've got all these, like, three, four-year-old kids that are going to grow up with a pump track in their backyard. They are going to be the sickest riders. Mm-hmm. They're going to be so good at riding bikes mm-hmm. on flat pedals. Because you know kids aren't going to be riding no. clip-ins no. at a pump track. They're no. going to be on flat pedals, mm-hmm. and that is going to be so dope to see how good those kids are um, in their early teens if they grow up with a pump track, a, like a public pump track in their backyard. Like, it is going to be, it's going to be badass. Yeah, no, I say I'm... I'm we're going to have all these little Sean Palmers running around, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just, just, well, and I'll say, I just, you know, I posted today, you know, Chris Powell, we'll give him a shout out because he was heavily involved in, in this pump track and it's actually been built for a while, but they've had some, some, some problems with, um, you know, during the, during the process of uh, opening and stuff. So anyway, Chris Powell's, you know, behind a lot of it and Tom Ritz built it, you know, a year and a half ago, I think now, over a year ago anyway, at least. And, um... You know, already I, I, I reposted, after I was looking at Chris's messages last night, so many people, you know, Jeremy McGrath was on there. Can't wait to see everyone there, you know, just like wow. opening the door to so many different, uh, you know, the motocross guys, the mountain bike guys, the BMX guys, the place we can. Um, so I reposted the, the picture this morning and, you know, the first thing I was, I was reading down on some of the comments on, on my Facebook and, you know, Stan, one of the, the local San Diego, you know, racers, you know, like, we got to get a, a meeting where we all meet up and go at the same time. So it's going to start creating you know like um little communities of, of new friendships with people yeah. and meeting up with kind of what we all used to do and you don't really see as much now maybe yeah. you know at least in race you know so i'm excited about you know just meeting up and riding with everybody saturday morning or something you know so mm-hmm. i think that will be uh, pretty cool so um what else what else shall we talk about you want to talk about uh, we talked a little bit about the olympics right already freestyle, yeah. freestyle in the olympics could you even say like usa wise who the favorite guys are or any or is it too early for that I think it's so. Well, these little Australian kids are good. Aren't yeah, they? the Australian yeah. guys. I think you know Logan Martin. Um, I think the one thing that is for certain is there. There is injury is going to play the biggest part in who is on that team and who goes, and it, it always seems to happen that way. Like you, it just with all the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you've almost got to put in race. You see it. Uh, you almost got to put cotton wool around them moving into it, but that's really what you don't want to do. And obviously freestyle is a whole other, yeah. you want to have all your tricks and shit down, but that's very easy to yeah. to get injured as well. So it's navigating through that. Because in, injury happens to everybody and you can't plan it out. You're like, oh, I want to be injured this month, not coming. I mean, mm. we saw the same thing. Do you remember, it was before the first Olympics, so it was before 08. Bubba was on his Bubba. on his tear, mm-hmm. and you just you know. So in 06, mm. you would have been like, "Oh, well, Bubba will just be the Olympic." He'd champion. won in 06. He had won. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you're Got just Visa, like, credit card, and how, all kinds of sponsorships. How could he? Mm. How could mm. he not? Mm. And look what happened. Yeah, evaporated, yeah, yeah. vanished. And he 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 got injured a lot, and he still got back. Uh, yeah. For the trials and like, okay, he can still. Everyone's like, okay, there's still a chance. He can still yeah. win the trials and go. 
and he crashed. I think the day before the trials, yeah. the, the pra- trials practice. Yeah, remember? You know? Didn't didn't Ariel? Ariel, she was. Uh, she was the she, day before she left the plane for London. She crashed yeah. a chain or something, snapped to the bottom mm-hmm. of the hill. Um, the day before they was uh, gonna hop on the plane for London. So yeah. yeah, she missed it. So I can see freestyle being really uh, strategic. How those kids uh, navigate that part, you know? Yeah, I yeah I wonder how everything's gonna happen with. Uh how they qualify um the world championships and then the coaches pick stuff and there's so few riders that are even going to be invited it's going to be like the countries that qualify only get one and then i think there's one country that gets two possibly i don't know how many they can qualify nine but it's total, like it's right? like nine and nine wow nine right. men nine women so not many people there are going to be a lot of people watching from the sidelines um so. I hope they do, what they do need to do is document all the drama we can, so we can all <laughs> all like see all the all the stuff we've seen in race over the yeah. years you know over the all the potential lawsuits and threats <laughs> and people leaving marriages broken up and oh, I yeah. hope we get to read and see some of that stuff in freestyle as well and skateboarding I'm sure that'll be a lot of drama with them guys as well you know so yeah I just I just hope that people don't put all their eggs in the Olympic basket and sort of leave leave their happiness and their success up to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Like, cause that's really determined by them. And this is such, this is such like a flash in the pan in the grand scheme of things. Like if we look back at what happened with racing, which was not a whole lot, <laughs> a couple, a couple guys maybe got some down payments. I mean, if anything happened, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the best thing that seems to happen when the Olympics um, pick up a new sport is that the funding the countries create for the riders makes more of a difference than anything else. Mm-hmm. And well, not, not in the U.S. I mean, it seems like the U.S. is no. certainly not leading other, in that category. Other, co- other countries, yeah, the riders get to, you got more guys that get a, a, it's not a huge salary, but they get a salary, but at least more guys get to, to, to be professional and, and kind of, you know. And live, take it seriously. Like, yeah. And give it a good shot, right? Yeah, yeah. So it creates that. And obviously, again, this is more in Europe. It creates tracks and stuff but obviously we didn't see the same kind of thing in america and um yeah say it benefits very few individual riders you know it obviously brings it jobs and stuff for people coaching and you know administration jobs and stuff but yeah, yeah and then you know and from a rider's point of view i it is it is like how can how can they stay grounded and see through all the bullshit of oh you've got to do this for the Olympics you've got to do this for the Olympics it's for the it's for this it's for that and it's mm-hmm. just like okay but like like do I enjoy doing this do I enjoy taking stickers off my bike mm-hmm. to ride an event do I enjoy taking off my sponsor's t-shirt to put on some weird dry fit shirt <laughs> you know some <laughs> stiff dry fit box box fit shirt like. <laughs> I don't know, like, it just seems, it just seems like really silly to do something that, like, you wouldn't ever do on a normal ass day mm-hmm. at your normal skate park, um, except you're putting your life on hold to do it, you know, in, uh, where the, in Tokyo. Tokyo, yeah. Yeah. To be on TV, like, TV? Who fucking has, Dale, do you have cable? I don't have cable. Well, like, we still like reality shows at our house, yeah. so we have a little bit. But, I mean, yeah. last year's... Again, it gets more play in Europe. I know it is a lot, especially in the UK, I obviously follow... I, I actually literally watch as much of the Olympic stuff, even though I'm here, in the UK, because there's more coverage. You know, this year, last uh, 2016 Olympic, I was literally doing a camp, and I watched the main when Connor won. It was Friday morning at 11 o'clock, and I was watching it on an app. On an app, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was not on TV, you know, so in the States, you know. So, again, I think it's... America is uh, so saturated with so many, you know, Michael Phelps. Oh yeah, and, we th- and th- yeah. sports and, and when you say the yeah, Olympics, mm. I th- I think you just picture Michael Phelps, and then if you're an Olympic athlete, you just sort of assume that you're going to get everything that Michael Michael Phelps has been sort of served up. Yeah, you know. uh, at I mean, as far as I know, BMX is an exhibition event for Tokyo, that and is certainly not guaranteed to continue on, right? I I, th- I really freestyle? don't know. I, yeah, I think it is. I, I think skateboarding and freestyle first year. I think every the first year is always ex- exhibition. Yeah. But I would think freestyle is gonna overlook racing once. Uh, I think once freestyle's in, it's gonna. I would think it's gonna look better than racing, right? You know, and um, so I'm sure it will jump at least that in the the big scheme of things. But yeah, I don't know. I I sort of 
you know, if you talk to enough people outside of our little bubble of action sports and you're like, oh yeah, BMX, skateboarding. And they're just like, huh? Is that, oh, you mean like viral videos? You know, like when they say that to you and you're like, oh, you're the other 99% of the population that like, that's, that's how you see our little pond. Mm -hmm. And that's how NBC sees our little pond. And that's how, um, you know, so. I don't know. It's. It, it, I think it's good to have a little healthy dose of perspective. And yeah, we'll, we'll definitely yeah. see how it pans out on the freestyle side. It'd be interesting watching. Uh, we'll hopefully get to to yeah, say l- listen and watch some of the drama that will unfold around it because it definitely will be if it goes on anything that it did with racing. Um, what's your thoughts on uh, current racing looking in Justin? And uh, you know, we we're talking earlier a little bit. Like it seems like. You know, economy will probably take a crap in the next couple of years. How how yeah, yeah. how bad can BMX get? Yeah, you think that'll you know looking? I'm thinking more racing wise. You know, I know you look in and watch. Yeah, uh, I think racing maybe as a community. What you maybe you just count the number of motorhomes at a big national, and you can see how well the economy's doing. Yeah, you know, see yeah. how many people took out home equity loans to you know get get a mm-hmm. get a toy live hauler, the dream. live the dream. So I, I. uh I don't know, like, well, let's talk about Rock Hill, uh, just real quick, like, every, it seemed like everybody ate shit and crashed. Um, you know, I wasn't there, but, um, it it's, it's all part, well, it wasn't wet, but it's windy, so it's windy there, okay. I guess, you know, so, um, yeah, there's definitely some injured guys already, you know, this early in the season, you know, Anthony Dean, I saw he crashed. Elise was uh, pretty torn up. Elise, uh, yeah, I saw, I saw she crashed in one when she was battling with, um, Felicia, yeah. so, uh, the trouble is when you crash on those tracks, you get hurt, you know, and, oh, yeah. and, and you know Anthony Dean when he crashed I mean he posted a picture of his helmet and that's another problem as well with racing when when you get hurt on these tracks um he posted a picture of his helmet and his shoes with clip shoes helmet I mean I, I get it from I'm a team manager you know when a rider crashes you need new shit you need a new helmet sometimes you need your, your jerseys are shredded and uh you know the Shimano or any of the, the clip shoes they explode pretty quick you know or things drop off them and then things aren't cheap you know so for an average guy buying that stuff it's definitely uh it's definitely tough you know yeah, I mean, was it? Is this just going to be like the Joris show again next year? Or no, I, I think you know I've been watching Europe as well, and uh, Nick Kim and the yeah. Dutch guy. It's kind of like of a like Maris, you know, and he's won everything um, during the winter, all the European stuff, off you know winter stuff in France, and um, uh, he doubled last weekend at the European Championships, which was a pretty tough race. You know, a lot of guys were there. I think it was like over a hundred elite riders. So. I think he's definitely going to be the uh, guy to beat this year, you know. I mean, if anybody can, yeah, I'm sure Joris and um, David Graff is doing good. And, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, still a, a talent pool of guys that can win, but it seems like he, he's picking lane eight every time and just kind of marrying them from the outside, wow. you know. So wow. I can, Yeah, I can only see that guy getting faster, you know. So I think it's going to be tough for um, – uh, we've got a little guy in England now, Kai White, who's a really good rider as well. So Yeah, what was the drama with Kai White? They didn't want him on the team or he was, like, not coach's pick or, like, that was the 30 no, seconds. Uh, that was his brother, Trey. Oh, Trey White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay, that was okay. a few years ago. Yeah, and uh, it's consistently every few years with England, they do, they do it with a girl at the moment where she's off the team and then they fund themselves or try and fund themselves. And There's always oh, drama right, within right, that. Right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is um, Kai White, which is a younger brother of Trey. And uh, Kai's really kind of a very Mike Day, long legs, good passing people and stuff. And he's kind of still climbing that ladder, getting faster and faster. And he was third one day last week and he's re- really fun to watch. So definitely anybody listening out there, check check him out when you, if you're following the racing this year and the World Cups and stuff. So um, do you think racing, I know you kind of paid attention probably back then in, during the 90s and that when, when Palmer, I was listening to Paul Pemex and they were started talking about uh, when Palmer came into mountain biking. I remember it very vividly. Um, you know, at the time, everybody was skin suits, and Nico Vulios was the you know very professional, and uh, for the top of the nineties, you know, all all about business and winning, and and then Palmer came in, and then um, you know bought in the the tattoos and the drinking, and wearing fox gear, and yeah. you know just the, just all the stuff we know about Sean Palmer, but he really changed mountain bike, you know, downhill uh, at the time, you know, yeah. and just made it really cool and He's, just a lifestyle, and yeah, um, he single handedly. Uh, reinvented the image of what was mountain biking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, yeah. It wasn't, Took the wasn't John Tomac, uh, no, Lycra. No, no skin suits. Yeah. Like, he just completely made it cool. And, he um, made gravity cool as shit. Yeah. yeah. Do you think, again, different times, obviously, 
could that happen in racing? Could uh, yeah, I think all the BMX racers should go race mountain bikes, and that's right. what it's like. Right, yeah. essentially on a downhill motorcycle. I mean, I <laughs> you right? I mean, mountain biking is is yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's so much closer to a motorcycle. Um, it's, it's just more just of a lifestyle. Wider. It's just more wide open, you know. Yeah, and I mean, there's so many different avenues you can do, can't you? Yeah, you know, there's so many different um, things you can do with a mountain bike, even in even if in, in competition. There's so many different. And, you know, um, different aspects of it where um, you don't think there could be a Sean Palmer that could come into racing uh, and, and change things or mix it up a little bit? Or do you think it's just too far gone the way it is, Vic you know? Is, I, think, I think Vic... Uh, right. Vic, uh, Vic is the hero we deserve, right, probably. Yeah, you right. know, like, we all want we all want Sean Palmer, but uh, right. I think we deserve Vic, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love Vic, but I think anybody that... Uh, yeah, I mean... I mean, let's talk about it. Vic, Vic is the is the kind of Sean Palmer. If there's anybody, yeah. put your finger on him. He's a great watch on Instagram. Oh my god! I mean, I there was a lot of clips last week. You know, stories from the Swamp Fest. I just tuned into Vic. I watched yeah. it all through him. Yeah. You know, and it didn't seem like Vic was doing much riding. <laughs> so he looked like he's having a good time. But but when Vic rides, yeah, I mean, you cannot deny his skills are on a, a yeah. No, no, I love love professional watching him. level. He's definitely a fun watch, and uh, yeah. just like say on Instagram stories alone, it's like he's my TV show. You know, when I'm looking yeah. into that world, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess to pull that off, you sort of just have to be independently wealthy or have sponsors that want to support you to do that. Because to just go to to go to a race and be kind of like the the show during pro practice, um, you know, maybe you'll get in a couple. Because we're basically talking about like you know, Neil Wood, mm-hmm. Neil Neil Wood was the badass dude, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Brandon, and those guys would kind of like mm-hmm. they would be the guys keeping it real on flats, you know, doing tricks during pro practice, and then maybe they'd sneak in a main every now and then. Yeah, and, you know, those were the guys that a lot of people looked up to. So I think mm-hmm. I think people gravitate towards different styles of people. Um, I think Palmer, like you said, definitely set the vibe for a rebranding of of mountain biking during that era. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, but I don't I don't know if Vic is going to pull that off for us, right? right? <laughs> yeah. Could be some little under Vic though yeah. coming up the ranks. Kids we don't know about yet. It's going to some kinda... some kid that lives in Del Mar, right? In that where where that pump track, he can see it from his backyard, right? And uh, he's just going to have the keys to the castle, man. Well, it's, I was listening to a podcast with um, Hooker. And he was saying the same thing. And I remember him when we went to, he was a little kid at Sheep Hills mm-hmm. and how, you know, we, he was always friends with Miranda. I, I don't know. I think yeah. he kind of looked up to Miranda maybe. Yeah. And that's how I kind of saw who he was from Sheep and, and being a little guy that was Miranda's buddy. And uh, like I say, and look where he is now, you know. So mm-hmm. that, stories do happen, what you say, you know. It's a uh, little grom that just kind of gets that local spot and then just builds up and yeah, I mean, becomes that, something, you know. I mean, Sheep was a place that, was never locked up. Mm-hmm. You never had to pay to go there. No. And look what happened. And there's it, always someone and there. There's always someone there. So maybe the same thing will happen with the pump track. Yeah. It, I mean, worst case scenario, everybody has a great time there. Mm-hmm. And every, everybody becomes a better rider. Mm-hmm. So I don't see how that could be a bad thing. And then, you know, if they want to, you know, go toe-to-toe with somebody, they're going to go to Tyler's track and, and show off their horsepower during the first straight. Mm-hmm. So... I think it's great. I mean, that'd be that'd be awesome if more riders moved toward. It's it's Del Mar or is it Poway or is it's it... Pacific Highland uh, Ranch. It's off the fifty six. Okay, so um, near it's... Ted Williams Parkway or uh, it's... near the mountain bike trails or um, for me, I hop on the fifteen, go south, get on the fifty six, head towards you know uh, head this way, yeah, and then go a few exits down. It's on the right. So Rancho Penasquitos. Yeah, yeah, oh, exactly. Sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Not too far past the, the little skate park. Um, no, that's on the other side. I always get the 56 and the 78. That's when I went to Horro. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's, I, I literally timed it from my house, 20 minutes door to door. So I'm going to be there a bit, quite a bit, you know, and excited about it. Awesome. All right, let's wrap this up, Justin. I know you're heading out to Palm Springs this yeah. uh, this morning. So um, anything else? We can talk again down the road. So yeah. anything else you want to add to anything? No, I just, uh, yeah, I just, I'm excited to see, excited to see, you know, what this new year brings brings for racing and and um yeah i i just i it just it's just awesome to see how it progresses even though it's not necessarily the way that you want it to progress but it doesn't really matter like how i like i don't care how it progresses because it doesn't really affect me i think everybody's just real nostalgic about um the eras they grew up in and yeah it'd be awesome to see (laughs) a rack of eight double a's all flat pedals 
with like a, you know, a pro section that maybe was built the night before, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, like that's, that's the kind of stuff that was sort of exciting, uh, back in the day. And then, uh, um, I think there's a place for some one-off events. Um, and I think we'll see some this next year. Yeah. Uh, I just sort of, I sort of feel like people are going to start to try things a little different and make it more of a show rather than just like a, um, uh, yeah, like a, I don't know, like a cash grab where you just, you know, sign up, race and go home, you know? And I think so is where the, the economy and, and sponsorship, how, you know, how, how, and how expensive it is to travel and, and to, to hit all these races around the country. I think that's, uh, uh, it is a perfect time now for that, those little events to start, hopefully yeah. start happening and long overdue. Yeah, no, so cool. All right, Justin, if anybody wants to check out all your stuff, websites, Instagram. Yeah, well, you can start at Instagram, um, at, Justin Cosman, K-O-S-M-A-N, and uh, my website, justincosman.com. I've got my still photography portfolio on there, and then I have my director's reel is in there too. You can check out the kind of work I do, and um, yeah, and send me a DM and say, what's up? Tell me if you liked like this show. Cool. Thanks, Justin. Catch you all later. See ya. Yeah.